0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. City Limits,
1: brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City limits is moment only are devoted
2: to our urban environment.
1: To transport and planning and housing issues.
2: To privatisations and our utility services.
1: To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we
2: can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City limits. limits. 321 says Andy and city limits roars into, a, into air and uh, and it's the second Wednesday of the month it been had a normal day for energy etc. We had talked uh, Mark and Mark, Mark. Um, I keep wanting to say Mark Riley, Mark Riley a former co-presenter of this program just got elected as a Greens candidate to uh, Moreland Council by the way, I think I mentioned that last week. Andy's pressing buttons but Mark Allen's the mean I'm talking to, he's um, Mark, um, we were going to have a debate with you and uh, Sue Bolton, another the Socialist Alliance candidate for Ednaum councillor. In fact, re-elected in Norland about population issues, but Sue couldn't make it today. So,
0: yeah, that's right. I think it's been a busy time for her. I mean, she was inaugurated the night before that's last, right, yes, and yes, so it's yes, uh, yes. A, we'll for, a busy time. We'll so. forgive her
2: because we are going to get her on before the end of the month. So there's I there's, a, we there's a fourth and fifth Wednesday, yes. and one of those two will certainly have that debate. Hopefully, but, fingers um, crossed. That but Filling in more than adequately there, I suggest, is an old uh, colleague of ours, Professor Moriarty. Professor Moriarty's come on; and he's done it. We were going to get him on in one of those two weeks. I think we've mentioned that, but um, because of because of Sue not being able to make it, we've. Uh He's been kind enough to come on at the last minute and come off the bench and do the job. Fantastic. So we'll be talking to Paddy later, and there's lots to talk about. There's Hazelwood, there's the South Australian thing, there's the whole renewable things, and he's got lots of other things to talk about as well, so that's it. But just look, a a couple of weeks ago, um, this this is one of the more serious things we get to talk about. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned about Jeffrey Edelston's latest love, the latest American blonde... On twenty-something-year-old oh, yes. who fell in love with him at first sight, uh, and there was a the Herald. Son managed to accompany accompany the story with a picture of her in a very brief bikini. You might recall. Mm. Well, she says she's never met him. Mm. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, this is terrible. No, don't, don't laugh. This is a serious story. She says he rang her and asked if she'd he saw a picture somewhere and asked if she'd act in a film about his life and his ex-wives and play one of the ex-wives. And she said he seemed like a nice, smart guy who genuinely wanted to help my career. And then uh, then he started telling her how he loved her, et cetera. and then he asked her to come to the Melbourne Cup. That's where he proposed to the previous wife, if you recall, or don't recall, he did anyway. Um, and he sent her a, a, a plane ticket to come over, but she didn't, and she says she's never met him, and um, she thinks the whole thing's very strange. So poor Geoffrey, but Geoffrey, yeah. Yeah. Oh and he fell in love with her too. Without, without having met without, her. Without having met her, yeah, yeah. Crikey. Still, I take. Okay. I suppose you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> and she, oh, well, no, she did say something quite awful. Oh, yeah, I thought so anyway. She said, um, "I'm not sure I can pick it up," but she said, "Why would I want to marry a seventy-year-old bloke?" Fair 70. point. Here she is. I'm not going after a seventy-three-year-old man. He's been going after me. Oh, well, quite. Yeah, there you are. Right. Nice. How do you think I feel about that? No, <laughs> <laughs> you are. No, nope. that's not funny. A, you're a, I wasn't. That you're, wasn't you're, a joke. A, you're
0: a young man. I don't know what you're talking about. How old are you? Forty-two. I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> anyway, um, you'll also be pleased to know it's this week, and we saw the Herald Sun once. saying, "Oh, we better pour the tea, Mark. Um, you've got a couple." Of uh, I've got a. I'm on. I'm on
0: a herbal one right, at the maybe, moment. Andrew, Andrew, mm. Willie, no, he right, just keeps his head. Coffee. Nodding his head.
2: Yeah, yeah. What have you made today? Here we go. This is the white tea again. White tea Well, I've I've now got a little tin of it I bring in here, a separate tin I keep it in. Ah. So it tends to come in every week. We might vary it a bit, though. We need to vary it, don't we? Um, There we are. That's the tea. Uh, Look, the Herald Sun again had a wonderfully objective front page uh, about uh, good riddance. We all saw that, I'm sure, the, um, uh, the homeless people in Bendigo Street being cast onto the... Oh, is that what it said? By the government? It didn't say the, good riddance. The front page headline was good riddance all over the front page. Mm. And there's been subsequent stories all over the place. Um, and and not good the, the spokespeople are the government... Uh, Lord Rupert of Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch, mm. and the so, the Starvation Army, and of course, <laughs> and the Starvation Army says it wants it for uh, the needy, and as we say time and again, at at which point did being homeless stop being being needy? Mm. Exactly. Uh, but they're throwing the homeless out to put the needy in, which is interesting. And the needy, as determined by the Starvation Army, which of course also begs the question of these houses owned by the public purse. How come the starvation army gets to determine who goes in and who doesn't? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, since
0: since when have we uh, depended upon a charity that has an agenda? Because they're a Christian-based charity, aren't they? So, they certainly are. So, yeah, it um,
2: doesn't, uh, doesn't fit with, uh,
0: with the way it should be, no.
2: And they no. believe in that great that great statement of Jesus, the poor shall be always with you when they go out of the way to make sure they are. <laughs> um, so there you are. But anyway, I raise that also because uh, Lady Kitty Spencer, now she's the niece of Princess Diana. Oh, yes. Yes, wonderful person. And yes. she you'll be pleased to know now, um, she's in a relationship with an Italian real estate mogul, Niccolò Baratieri de San Pietro, uh, it was 20 years her senior, but anyway, and her younger brother, Louis is in line to inherit the family's Althorpe estate where Diana is buried. But she's the cousin of, um, you know, the royals and uh, grew up mainly in South Africa with a model mum, Victoria Lockwood. But she's inheriting all this fortune and she's going out with this very rich man. But she says she envies homeless people. She envies homeless people. Envies homeless people because and what they... what is her
0: reasoning for this?
2: Because they know exactly what they want to do and what their talents are. So really what she said? That's what she said. And she'd, um, she's an ambassador at a London-based homeless charity. Isn't that wonderful? She, she She's great. And she said she'd right. struggled to find a purpose in life. Well, going out with a real estate bloke wouldn't help. No, um, it wouldn't help at all. No, not at all. Um, and Living the way she does, I suppose, wouldn't help much either. But, uh, and could probably live off the money she made from her Instagram post, not to mention a hefty inheritance. Well, that's very good. Now, I thought the simple solution for her if she envies them is to swap. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't yes, it? Yes, yes. She should swap with them. Yes. She could move in there. And then she'll know exactly what she wants, which is somewhere to live. No, well, she'll, that's exactly right. <laughs> and what her talents are, which are nothing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she'd be in a worse position yeah. than the homeless So here, she'd swap with. So I could throw a few homeless down to the castle where she lives. Yeah, you could fit quite a few in there. Yeah, you? and a, you could and a, a few, of, a few of her, um, her relation, her relationships, relationship with the Italian real estate. Like he provided a few houses for him as well, and she could move into the homeless joint. Oh, it makes sense to me. Well, you should so. write
0: her a letter and sort that yeah, out.
2: Try. We'll get on to that. Yes, yes, yes. And um, of course, the way the Herald Sun covered it uh, has led to their usual. Magnificent, uh, that repository of deep thinking, their hot topic column every day. Oh, yes. And it, the headline is The Collingwood Squatters Receive Absolutely Zero Sympathy at heraldsun.com.au. And it's hard to pick out which is the best of these because there's so many wonderful, wonderful um, letters. But I thought Daniel took the cake and in, in just four words, simple bulldoze the houses <laughs> of course well of course i mean why didn't i yeah, think of that that's that right, would solve that's all right. of the problems exactly exactly Absolutely solved, yes, I mean. yes yes or greg goes pretty close greg says the squatters want a roof throw them in jail where they belong
0: ah yeah, ah yeah. there you go that's another way of doing it I hadn't thought of that <laughs> either no yes if every homeless person ended up in jail the the um, Herald Sun readers should realise that it costs about a hundred thousand a year to keep mm. someone in prison. So like it actually might be more affordable to put too. them in affordable accommodation. Public housing would actually be cheaper than putting people in jail. Do you think they might understand that if I explain that to them?
2: Um, no, no, <laughs> no. I <don't> know. <laughs> no. I was being optimistic <laughs> no, there, wasn't I? You could, you could try writing a letter to your say, but I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't bank on going to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could have a have a crack at it. This week in Parliament, by the way, and why did we mention Parliament? I don't know. But it was interesting last week. Uh, Monday last week, story came out that this bloke Cullerton, the um, the one nation bloke who's now being challenged as to what oh, he's yes. there for. Yes, he came out and said he he might. Um, it's in fact that. Um, it said the union um, the coalition's union crackdown laws is on a knife edge after cullerton said he is being massaged by unions and will not necessarily be voting with his party on the bills that his fellow senators have offered the principles in principle support for um, and of course, they're, they're voting definitely to crush the unions. But this bloke's been talking to the uh, the construction union, mm-hmm. and he's um, he was thinking of uh, actually voting against the uh, the, the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, awful. And then he also said he uh, he's also split publicly with Ms. Hansen over foreign investment. Um, saying he, he opposes uh, Reinhardt's thing with the Chinese interest. Now, this gets a bit racist, and I don't want to go into it, but they've got different points of view, right. whichever is right or wrong. It yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But two days after that, Suddenly, all this stuff came out about he mightn't be able to sit there anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, isn't it? Interesting, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Now, the timing be, might be purely coincidental. It could be coincidental, but it's interesting.
0: Perhaps One Nation will do a Palmer United and, and split, and, you know, we could have another Jackie Lambie in the ranks. Well, that's what's
2: likely to happen. I think it's always on the cards. It's always on it? the cards, yes. I would have thought. Yes, yeah. Yes. I think they're not going to hang together. I'm going to come shortly, in fact, to the, to the giant mind, Malcolm Roberts, who who almost makes Pauline look ordinary. I mean, you
0: know, I know, she, she almost looks benign compared to him. I'm
2: going to come to him shortly. But you'll be pleased to know there's a bloke called Darren Brady Nelson. And he's a former Trump campaign economist. And he's now here as Pauline Hanson's One Nation Key Economic Advisor. So you can imagine it's going well. This is um, going to go well. Yeah, he's an American-Australian mm-hmm. dual citizen, a graduate of, of ANU and the University of NSW. He was, working as a, he was working at the Trump Tower on Trump's presidential campaign when he was approached by Malcolm Roberts, this giant mind, one-nation senator. Um, now, among other things, he says... Overcoming weeks, he will help one nation develop more detailed policies on tax reform and rolling back so-called green guilt environmental policies, such as the direct action introduced by former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Now that was the fallback, in fact, which is arch conservative, designed to do nothing about climate change, and he wants to get rid of even that. Oh, he does yes, absolutely. Yes. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Next yeah. week we'll be talking about more climate and the economic economics. Uh, So we'll be putting some numbers out there, Mr. Nelson said. Uh, So isn't that great? They've got him now. He should be great. And just to back it up, Malcolm himself. Let's get on to Malcolm because, oh, jeez, he's good. One Nation Senator Malcolm Roberts says the party backs Donald Trump as US president and after imprisoning his rival Hillary Clinton, the first thing a Trump administration should do is unwind the job-destroying Obama climate policies. Hillary Rodham, Rodham Clinton is not only a terrible and unrepentant liar. I mean, some of this we can all agree with, well, of yeah, course, yeah, but, but, but right, coming yeah. from a different direction. Exactly. Um, she is a manifest risk to American and Australian interests. He also, I will go on. After imprisoning Hillary Clinton, the first act of a Trump administration could well be to wind back the outrageous, job-destroying climate policies that we have had to endure for the last eight years of the destructive and ruddolist Obama presidency. Pauline Hansen's One Nation Party wholly aligns in this case with the U.S. Republicans against the dangers of a Clinton presidency. It was likely Clinton as president would seek conflict with Russia or a, quote, third world nation incapable of defending themselves. Well, that's far more likely because that's what they do all the time. Well, exactly. It's Um, business as usual, isn't it? Yeah, which would involve Australian troops and her policies could lead to a destruction of the global economy. What is worse, Secretary Clinton has clearly surrounded herself with a gang of liars and odious swindlers, scammers and serial sex pests of the worst order, including her deplorable and disgraced husband, President Clinton. Isn't he? He's
0: good, isn't he? He's good. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he's he got elected to the Senate. He did, he did, he did. Yeah. It's a sign of the times, isn't it, when some of that is actually right, but we still want Clinton in because Trump is so much worse. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's right. <laughs> it's not it's not a good not a good reflection of where we're at, is it really?
2: I was talking to Paddy and we might discuss it uh, with him also just in passing, at least um later that I yeah you know, we always argue and I think it's right that the elections don't matter much. I mean what what mm. the end result is you get politicians who are going to do much the same thing and yeah. all serve capitalism. Yeah. But the one election where I reckon it could have changed things dramatically was when Gore didn't get up because he yes. was cheated by Bush's brother. Yes. And if he'd got up the US policy on climate change yeah. on going to Iraq and Afghanistan on war uh, could have been quite different. Very could different. have been quite different. It could different. have been and, very different. And yeah. indeed, nine eleven might not have happened if he'd been president. I mean,
0: it might that, not. I think it, it might well have done. But certainly, the reaction to nine yeah, eleven would have whatever, been different. He certainly whatever. wouldn't have gone into Iraq. Yeah, yeah.
2: and uh, and it would have. The other impact of it would have been that. Howard wouldn't have had a bush to fall back on when he had the most awful climate change and war policies. Yes, Uh, So it would have put some controls on Howard here. It would have done. And if America was doing it, Australia might have been forced to take stronger action on the climate at that time as well.
0: Yeah, I I think so. If there's a parallel universe mm, where actually Gore uh, won... it would be very interesting to yeah, see how it was unfolding right yeah. like, now. Not
2: that not that Gore was all that great either. But oh was, no, no, no. But on course, that issue, no. he wasn't no. too bad, and he certainly wouldn't have gone out invading all those people.
0: No, that's right.
2: So that's that one. Um, this one I found interesting. I think this bloke went off without consulting anyone. A bloke called Andrew Lamming, a backbench MP and backbench Liberal National Party MP. And he says um, they should now rescind that direction. This clash between George Brandis and the Solicitor General, uh, Justin Gleeson, uh, over the direction that Brandis gave, or that we all know that, that every everyone who approached Gleeson had to go through Brandis, and it's caused problems. And the mm. legal paternity says it's a, it's not proper anyway, and should you know it takes away the independence, etc. And we know what's happened: the other bloke resigned, and last night a parliamentary committee declared that Brandis had lied to Parliament. But of course, they're putting that down that it was, it was, the government didn't have a majority there, and it was a purely political vote. But nonetheless, it does appear at face value that he, he certainly, well, let's not say it, but um, George, I think, uh, well, you certainly played with semantics, to say the least. <laughs> um, and the, this bloke says that now that uh, Justin's, Justin Gleeson's resigned, they can rescind the order because it was only designed to get Gleeson because he was a labor appointment. And the government was powerless to do anything about it because he was a statutory office holder, so they brought in this thing instead. Ah. Now, isn't that interesting? He he just said that and said, now it doesn't matter anymore, that order, because uh, Gleeson's gone and we just wanted to get rid of him because he was appointed by um, Julia Gillard. Crikey. And uh, there you are. But, of course... Uh, the government, um, George said. Um, oh, that's not true. George said. You know. <laughs> uh, George said. Dr. Lemming's views are his own, but the Attorney General's position is, as he has explained on several occasions. Which which one, of course? Which explanation? Well, exactly. Um, but that doesn't matter. It's no, one, of, one, it's, of, the, one no, of them. One of them. One of them. Um, but yes. Yeah, so he's, it's his own views. But as interesting, he came out and said it and uh, and spilt the beads. Uh,
0: interesting times, hey.
2: Is it what? Mm. Is it what? Yes. So um, that was that, and of course we've now once again got this debate rolling around with Malcolm Fraser having said he wouldn't have anything to do with it, now having something to do with it, this 18C thing. Oh where, yes. yes. Yes, you can't offend and insult or whatever. Um, what's I, I? I can't. Can anyone explain to me why? It is important to have a law that allows you to offend and insult people? I can't.
0: Um, I can I can understand why mm. they're trying to bring it in at the moment. It's because it's to distract us all from the terrible job that the government's doing. Um, oh. Um, I'm, call me. <laughs> 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 Didn't you know that, Kevin? No. <laughs> Didn't you that know one. that? Had you thought of that? Crikey. <laughs> I, was all, I thought that was an obvious one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I oh, well. No, let's <laughs> see. I'm, I'm here to, 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 to enlighten Kevin on these issues, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, so that's the reason That's anyway, the reason yeah, yeah, just, just in case you didn't know It does leave me a bit perplexed <laughs> um, But also the other one We mentioned the homeless one With the Herald Sun etc But also they're running A very strong campaign At the moment Against, uh, against North African youth You might notice the Apex gang, etc., and all this sort of stuff, and they're running stories that these people, when they get out of jail, should be deported back to where they came from, etc., etc., etc. And it's a very, very nasty campaign. I think it's 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 quite worrying. Yeah, it is worrying. Um, It is worrying, and it's um, you know, it's it's again, it's Rupert Murdoch whipping up racism, etc. Well, that's right. It's the politics of fear and division, and um, yeah, it keeps us all in our place, doesn't it? That's right. In all these situations, of course, they never they never bother in attacking um, in attacking uh, homeless people or um, or black youth who might might form gangs because they they like to mix with other black youth because they're not accepted. Very, you know, maybe they just don't feel accepted, but whatever. Uh, they never ask why they they No, they, do they never ask things, the underlying why they do what they're societal doing. issues that cause yeah, these problems. What, no, they don't. Uh, and, and indeed, with homelessness, the same thing. The mm. homeless can be thrown back onto the street. Mm. Um, but why are they homeless? In exactly. a society that's supposed to be the best going, the capitalist system's the best ever, mm. um, lots of houses everywhere, lots of empty apartments and buildings and everything else, including the houses they're being thrown out of, and... Uh, uh, why are they therefore homeless in the first place?
0: No one ever asks those questions, do they? No, we do. Oh, we do, <coughs> yeah. But mm. the, the 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 media very rarely do, and no. that's that's a huge problem, isn't it? It's um Yeah, I know. And then and then people read it and they believe it and they talk about it and
2: yeah. And so it goes on. Mm. Speaking of homeless <coughs> um Howard rang me to ask me to read a couple of things out. Um, and if I can find the, if I can find the note, <laughs> which I scribbled on top of a bit of paper last night when he rang, uh, here he is, and I'm, I'm going to read my own scribble now as well, um, Oh, did I say Malcolm Fraser? Did I? Okay, yeah, okay. Someone, someone said Malcolm Fraser's dead, so he can't say anything. I often do say Malcolm Fraser when I mean Malcolm Turnbull. So I said that,
0: ah, yes, uh, yes, I probably did. I must yes. have. Yes, Malty meant. So whenever Kevin says Malcolm Fraser, there's a he good means, chance he well, means he, he might Turnbull. mean Malcolm
2: Fraser occasionally. but mostly he means Malcolm yes. Turnbull. Yeah, I, I, I do it regularly. So and the other Malcolm, of course, we don't don't want to confuse either because Malcolm's obviously a name of great people. It is. Malcolm it is, one nation. Malcolm. Yes. 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 Anyway. Um, Anyway, these notes, yes. Well, tomorrow, of course, um, Andy, you, were the, you helped the banner last time. There's a rally again, 11.30 tomorrow at Parliament for the housing yeah. group, um, Save public housing or whatever the group's called overall. It's called something else now, isn't it? Housing for something else. Do you remember Yeah, when?
1: Defenders of Public that Housing. That might be uh, I
2: think you're right. Defenders of Public Housing. Well done. That's, well, we urge people to get there tomorrow because that's 11.30 and we Whereabouts is that to, again? At Parliament? That's at Parliament House steps and we need yep. people to... Um, you know, to tell the government what's going on, but earlier tomorrow, ten thirty at the Supreme Court, uh, case that the homeless people in Round Bendigo Street took there will be—they'll um, be bringing down a decision. So, who wants to go and listen into that or cop that and support them? Mm. Um, on Saturday morning, there's ALP conference this weekend at Moonee Valley Racecourse, and um, the—it's between. And they're going to be handing out leaflets between eight and nine as delegates go in they if you go to Mooney Valley you'll you'll find out where it is there's a there's a glass sort of entertainment area there that if anyone's been to the track will know and they well, I presume that's where they're meeting that's where they usually meet in there and between eight and nine again people from public housing and public housing supporters are handing out leaflets around the issues so if people want to go and help out uh, do that I I told Howard an interesting little story about that, and I might might tell it in a minute before we go to our guest. And the final one is there's a – on Monday there's there's a forum on housing at the Multicultural Hub at at 506 Elizabeth Street. That's between 6.30 and 8 p.m. I think Howard said he's speaking there himself. Um, And it's a – so it's a a forum on housing that – I would hope people again could get along to um, at the Multicultural Hub 506 Elizabeth Street, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. I'm sure Joe will mention those things as well in his program after this. Just interesting on that one about the Mooney Valley Racecourse. Some years ago, a few of us uh, went to hand out leaflets at an ALP conference similar to this um, around the public-private partnership situation saying the government shouldn't do that. It should run things itself, etc., etc. And there were only about half a dozen of us handing out leaflets. We were hardly, very threatening. But then Lynn Kosky, who subsequently died, unfortunately, but she was then education minister, and she wandered up, and she was trying to be all friendly to us and seemed to be sort of all frazzled frazzled by the fact that we were there handing out, but she was trying to show interest. But we had her so frazzled, and it's it's a big glass building with glass doors, she turned and walked smack bang into the wall. Oh, no. Smack bang into the wall, and I thought to myself... She's the education minister, but she can't even find the door. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. What's that say yeah. for the system What does it say? What does it say? Oh. Yeah. oh, my God. See, this is the impact you have on people. You frazzle them. You've got to stop <laughs> frazzling people. It
2: wasn't me. I think it must have been her nature. I can assure you of that. <laughs> anyway, that was that. But um, let's take a break. Let's come back. We're going to talk to um, Patty Moriarty after this break about lots of things. Okay, and on the line we have uh, Paddy Moriarty, Professor Moriarty these days. We've got to get him right. Um, and, Patty, I've got uh, Mark Allen in the studio with me this morning as well. Good day, Pat. Uh, How are you?
0: Good, yeah. how are you, Mac? Good,
2: thanks. Uh, Patty, uh, don't know where we'll start. Let's start. Hazelwood's been closed down, um, and there's lots of screams from the usual suspects about the fact the cost to consumers, how it's going to put up electricity costs, how the government's handled it badly, and now they're screaming for government to put up millions and millions of dollars for uh, for a transition in the valley and uh, and compensate workers, etc. I, I keep and I, I keep wondering. When big companies have made a fortune, pack up and go, why suddenly the government is responsible for their social <laughs> responsibilities? Can you explain this to me? I
1: think you've answered your own question. Oh, have <laughs> I? Do
2: you think that was a bit rhetorical? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: just a few points. I mean, uh, as you know, brown coal is um, considerably... Less energy efficient than um, even black coal power stations because it's mainly uh, dirt and water, and uh, th- th- this means that the emissions per per um, kilowatt hour electricity generated are greater, and um, so uh, and also of course it's a pretty old power station. You you can um, uh, repower power stations these days. In other words, they don't. Not all parts of a power station were out together. For instance, the toilets might still be good there, you know, and so on. So, But you can repower boilers and so on. But this is, I think, a, a very old power station.
2: Mm. And indeed, there was a story recently where cover, or whatever they call themselves, um, have put some orders on it because they've, and according to the workers there, they've just let it run down after over many years and done very little maintenance anyway.
1: Well, probably because they knew it was going to close down.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah leading up to this, yeah. But um, does it necessarily mean, I mean, there's all sorts of doomsday scenarios from business about how it's going to increase costs, et cetera, and we have to keep these coal-fired stations going? While well, at the same time, they say they believe in climate change. But will it, in fact, have that sort of terrible consequence?
1: I don't really know. Uh, Kevin, I mean, my just looking at my electricity bills, they're mainly fixed costs, right? In other words, I tend to pay for other people's electricity. Mm. Um, you. Like with mobile phones, for instance, you can get all different sorts of, of um, options. Right, if you want to have a, a, a you know a high fixed cost and no variable cost, you can get um, uh, options that do that. Or, or if you just want to pay per option, you can get that. With uh, well, this is with um, uh, with household electricity costs. There's only one. There's no there's no choice at all in other words it's um you have to pay well looking at it from my point of view a high fixed cost and a fairly low um uh, variable cost to, you know in other words how much electricity you use mm. so it doesn't really encourage um conservation in fact this is the trouble that although they might talk um you know energy savings it doesn't really a private company doesn't really want in energy savings right and until you know uh, uh, and, uh, and until that can um they can have policies that actually encourage it. Um, I I think all this is a bit irrelevant.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And in fact, of course, we argued that at the time of privatisation that there was no incentive for a private company whose interest was purely profit to encourage people to use less of the product. Exactly.
0: And even when people put solar panels on on roofs, the the fixed costs of electricity just continue to increase to compensate. So, you know, you can't... People who try and save money through electricity by putting solar panels, not only do they get very small amount of money back uh, from the electricity companies, but also the the fixed costs of just being connected to the grid keep increasing. They keep increasing that um, so that the, the, the money you save by having solar panels is just greatly reduced all of the time. So it's not, not the economic incentive that it could be.
1: Yep. But here's an, an, an intriguing thought. We have, although we haven't used it yet, we, uh, we have. Um, there is a connection between water and energy. In other words, you can read papers today on the energy costs of water and other papers on the water cost of energy. So these two are very closely combined. And in mm-hmm. Melbourne, of course, we have a desal plant. It hasn't been used yet, but I'm sure it will be if we keep on pouring in the population as we're, as the government seems keen on doing. And yeah. what this means is that... That really having a, a flat plate solar collectors on your roof, uh, that is those uh, hot water heaters, that's really, or, or having a rainwater tank, sorry, is a, having a rainwater tank should be seen the same way as, as having um, photovoltaic cells on your roof. Because mm. by saving water, you're actually saving energy, <laughs> brown coal energy.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. In fact... Um Joe Conlon, and um, who you know, Joe, of course, yes, Patty yes. is also an engineer. She argued at the point when the whole debate around the feed cell plant was taking place, that for for much less than the cost of the cell plant, you could have put a put a um, a tank in every Melbourne backyard and, and a grey water recycling thing in every house. And, yeah, yeah, mm, that and, would have been a better idea. I, yeah. I, better I think
1: idea. in Adelaide, a third of the households have um, rainwater. Part of the reason is because uh, South Australian water is notoriously hard, the reticulated water, so that's why another reason why people go for um, for um, tanks as well as it being a, a more arid than Melbourne.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. But when my parents had their house built in New South Wales, they had to uh, um, work around the bussics rules. and they had to sort of tick off a certain number of points in order to get the approval for their house. And one of the things that they did was they put a, a rainwater system in where the, the toilet is flushed with rainwater and the and the laundry is, is done with rainwater. And that seems to be fairly common in that part of New South Wales. So It seems like they might be ahead of Victoria in that area. I don't know. Yeah,
1: well, well looking at water again, um, one thing that... Uh, uh, for, uh, one idea is looking at water from the total recycle point of view in other words from the time it leaves um the reservoir you know and until it um it goes back to the to the sewage plant, that you use it in varying stages between, you know, um, depending upon the the quality of the water needed, and it gets in it cascades down to lower qualities because, after all, it's a mass. So, mass is conserved; it's just that the that the quality of the water decreases each time. But, mm-hmm. but for things like flushing toilets and so on, you don't need uh, water drinking a uh, water quality uh, drinking quality water, which is what we use at present in Melbourne.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I think it's one of the exactly. great wastes in our society the fact that we flush toilets with fresh yeah, water. Yeah. And it's
0: and it's really important that you also. To, um point out the energy uh, impact of of the water we flush away, because a lot of people don't think about that. They don't think about the energy that goes into making clean water.
1: Well, well, certainly in in California, where they have to, um, as you know, in Northern California has a surplus of water, and uh, from you know, San Francisco north and Southern California, Los Angeles, um, and so on, has a has a deficit of water. Whenever they um, Whenever they have a, uh, a cost-benefit analysis, you know about these for whether it's a good idea to transfer water from North California to Southern California. If it's done in Northern California, the cost-benefit bene- analysis is always a bad idea. If it's done in Southern California, it's always a great idea, right? Yeah. But in any case, the the energy costs of actually um, inter-basin transfer are very high. So um, again, there's an energy cost even though it's not desalinated.
0: Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah, there we go.
2: Yeah, and of course we've got. Well, if we're on water. We've got major water problems here, and they—they're arguing, of course, that the the cotton farms in, the, in Queensland and New South Wales are causing major problems downstream. And uh, they don't seem to really resolve the issue, have they, of of, that, of keeping that river system running properly?
1: No, I mean there's a certain what they call ecological flows you have to have to maintain, um, in fact, to to maintain river and ecosystems. In fact, uh. Riverine Ecom systems are the ones that are most threatened in the world. The freshwater river systems. Mm.
2: Yeah, and just going off Australia, of course, we know the the Mekong. Uh, which goes through a number of countries, but um, the damming of the Mekong is causing massive problems for a lot of people who've always relied on it downstream. Yes, and, in and many of course,
1: it, uh, all these—in uh, fact, all these major rivers all rise in the in China, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> China's decided it wants first bite. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and, and one, of yes. one of the arguments,
0: one of the arguments for hydroelectric, um, is that it's it's greener. But actually, when you look at the, the methane emissions that come from hydroelectric schemes, there's an argument to say that any of those so-called green advantages are more than more than balanced out by the, the methane that's well, released.
1: Well, the methane is released especially in, in the tropical dams, right? Right. Uh, which, which, of course, is where most of the remaining potential for hydro is. Yes. Um, there's very little in... Europe or North America and so on or Russia sure. so um, and it can be exacerbated if you don 't clear the vegetation b- beforehand, yes, in other words you you have rotting vegetation, and if that 's ana- anaerobic then of course you 'll get methane released. Yes. The other thing that happens is that the water level fluctuates um, you know because of drawdown and so on and stream inflow, and this means that the vegetation on the uh, water line gets um, exposed and then flooded, and when it gets flooded, you might get, um, you know, on an annual basis, say, and then you're going to get um, c- c- continued methane release um, yearly, as it were, even after it's settled down, even after the initial vegetation, the forest, say, that's been left in there uh, 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 has rotted.
2: Mm, interesting, mm. yeah, yeah. And just just going back to the privatisation process here, another another fact I was a I think it was the Grattan Institute recently came up with a report, um, and we might recall that one of the arguments for privatising uh, the SEC and gas and fuel was that they were vertically integrated and it was better to have competition and break them up. But the the Grattan Institute argues that because there are certain savings that can be made in some areas but not in others, in fact having them all separate has put the costs up rather than because because one instead of being in one company, or particularly state-owned, where you can pass the savings on, they're not being passed on, which is interesting.
0: It is interesting, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah there we are. Paddy, also at the same time, and it's not related to hazel, wood and Coal, etc., the, the screaming about what happened in South Australia when the whole system broke down with a couple of pylons lying on the ground And uh, the usual suspects, again, blamed wind power 100%. Um,
1: w- were the pylons blown
2: over? They were, yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> well, that's wind power. Well, <laughs> well, exactly, I, that
2: made, <laughs> I did make that point in my yeah. satirical bit that, you know, you kept yeah. to blame the wind because it blew them over. But, yeah, uh, yeah that's right. That's right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, similarly, I mean, here in Victoria, when we had massive winds a couple of weeks ago, there were parts of the eastern suburbs in particular that were blacked out for a few days. But no one said coal is to blame. We've got to get rid of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, I had personal experience of that. There was a tree over the over the Dan and Long line line at uh, up from, between Richmond and South Yarra, so um, <laughs> that put paid to <laughs> catching that train. Yes, um, this brings the question of over of grid reliability, of course, uh, and it's uh, a, a grid re- or or the, or the provision of grid of the grid is going to get um very very complicated. Uh for instance in Europe they they haven't built any any um high voltage new high voltage uh lines for for years and years for for decades people just don't want them, right? But if you have renewable energy, um especially wind and solar which of course are intermittent and and that's where the, where the greatest potential is for renewable energy. Mm. Um because they're intermittent you have to build them for their peak loads rather than their average load, right? In other words, you have to put in, uh, have a high voltage line. You have to, in other words, it costs more for, for a renewable energy grid for, if, you, if you're using variable energy than it does for, if it's a fossil fuel grid. Mm.
0: Mm. So do you think the focus should be more on localised forms of energy? I mean, when I say localised, obviously people's homes for a start. I mean, just we, we've got technology coming out now where you can pretty much put roof each roof tile is, is like a solar panel. And, and should that be more of where the focus should be, well, taking a micro uh, 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 sort of Governments approach?
1: love rooftop stuff uh, because it saves them the, the problem of doing anything, right? Leave mm. it to the householders.
0: Yeah, um, it, yeah, that's it, right. it does
1: make the grid more more complicated. Think of the way the grid works at present. You have millions of, of consumers, yeah. but very few centralised um, producers. In other words, I'm talking about the units themselves, right? Sure. Now, what you're likely to have, say, so especially in Germany, which is pioneering this, is you have um, millions of producers and millions of of consumers, right? Yes. It makes things <laughs> very tricky yes. uh, to organise the grid and um, payments and this sort of thing.
0: Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um,
1: what they're thinking is that you can actually get by. Uh, uh, you know, the the reliability uh, I mentioned before. Um, for some uses, you don't need hundred percent reliable electricity. The average household, for instance, can turn off its freezer or even its fridge or its hot water system for half an hour yes. without without any ill effects right so maybe we need whereas other where whereas some industries for instance um aluminium smelting for example if the if the if the pot lines freeze up you 're in real trouble, throw them out and buy a new lot so um I think what we're going to have to do is is just have pay different um, premiums for for for, for uh, how reliable we want our, our electricity. Yeah. And yeah. um, the other thing, of course, is is that you could move the population to the to the where the renewable energy is. After all, this was done in the in the in the fossil fuel age, with industry moving to say the north of England, where the where the coal was. Um, to give you an example, uh, geothermal energy there's probably not a lot of uh, globally a lot of electric- electricity that, that can be produced from geothermal energy because the temperatures aren't high enough but as far as low grade for, uh, geothermal energy there's a huge amount um, the trouble is that you can't really take low grade uh, geothermal energy more than a, than a few a few kilometers right so in other words say in the US although the rockies of course have got a huge amount there's a huge amount of geothermal low grade geothermal energy there Uh, only a very small percentage of the population can actually use it because the population densities are low there. Sure,
0: sure. So,
1: I mean... um,
0: So, where where are the best areas in Australia for geothermal and where where should we all be moving to in this instance? I'm not
1: not sure. I haven't actually studied... uh, I I don't think we have any premium sites for, say, electricity Mm. generation. I know they're looking at... uh, uh, deep geothermal energy but I think the actual engineering cost of that would be I, it was tried, I don't think they're really
2: feasible. Now mm. yeah, they're looking in parts of South Australia I know at one stage I don't know what But yeah. wouldn't, it, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't yeah.
0: wave energy be is that a goer? I mean people live close to the sea is, is uh, wave energy a potential? Yeah,
1: well again, uh, several points it's an intermittent form of, of energy like, yes, uh, wind, and like solar. wind and solar. The light. other thing is, well several other points, there are about a thousand patents I think for wave energy, in fact I, I, I had a look at one of them um, here and um, none of them are sort of startlingly better than any any of the others. They did yes. try. There was a one put in off the coast of uh, Portugal. I think it was a it was a Scottish system. But they but they took it out. The trouble is with wave energy that you've got to it has to be um, sensitive enough to 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 uh, generate um, uh, power under low wave conditions, but it has to be strong enough to survive uh, storms. Yes, and yes. Um, it's very hard to meet this. So, right.
2: uh, isn't there one currently in Western Australia servicing a military establishment or something? I, I think. Not
1: sure. Um, if it I is, there, it's uh, very is. small. Yeah. yeah, I haven't read that. Yeah. I think the it just
2: services president. this one establishment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, this brings I guess to storage. In fact, Patty, I know we've talked to you about this before, but the increasingly people like Tesla, etc., are putting out uh, power packs or calling it power wall. Their particular one where people can can store. I mean, is this some? Is this a long? Well, one is it an answer for home, home uh, solar? But also in the on the broader level, can we get batteries that can store and stop the intermittency?
1: well of course we have batteries the, ma- the trouble is the cost uh, first I'll just give you a brief uh, thing on on what's happened with lithium iron batteries which of course are the um uh, are regarded as the as the best uh, because lithium is the lightest element so for say any mobile uh, applications whether um you know personal um uh, mobile phones or anything like, like that, or uh, vehicles, uh, lithium-ion batteries are, are seen as the, as the go. Um, the problem is that they have a, a distressing tendency to catch fire uh, mm. um, because of the of the of the heat generated. Yeah, that
2: would so raise the have, odd problem, wouldn't it? It's yeah, so you
1: right. have to have very uh, <laughs> very careful heat management, and you can't uh, afford mal- malfunction. Uh, I think Boeing have just patented this sort of suitcase device where you can <laughs> throw, throw in a, 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 a battery or a, a battery-powered vehicle that's caught fire, and the fire will go out. Which is sort of one solution, I guess.
2: <laughs> be good if they be, be great if they put it in their planes.
1: <laughs> yes, well, there have been um, cases where you know, um, auxiliary equipment has caught fire because of these batteries. So uh, that's one problem, um, that is heat management. The trouble is that batteries have to satisfy a whole lot of different criteria. They have to be safe, obviously, as we've just discussed. They have to use non-toxic materials. They have to use materials that are are in um, globally uh, strong supply if if we're going to use batteries on a huge scale. um, They have to be uh, low cost. They have to be able to be recycled thousands of times without breakdown. And um, what else uh i think that uh, well of course they have to have the right um, energy density and the right Mm. power density so Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big list and um uh, you can imagine as a series of hurdles that the the batteries have to pass
2: yes the latest the latest uh, home one that tesla is selling in the united states which is scheduled to come here they tell us uh costs over seven thousand dollars so that's uh, it's pretty expensive
1: yeah but um the thing is if if you 're moving towards renewable energy, you will have to have um you you 'll have to have storage right especially since as i say the, the problem is that um biomass uh, hydro um and geothermal in other words the uh, electricity sources there are too small to provide more than a tiny fraction of mm. say the present ele- electrical mm. energy the world uses therefore um Wind and solar are going to have to do it, and they are intermittent, mm-hmm. so we're going to have to move to progressively um uh, a greater and greater energy storage. I think in fact California has just um said that they have to have um that the state has to have a huge amount of um uh, energy storage this way from batteries and so on um one of the problems is uh, I mentioned before the number of cycles uh the trouble is that the structure of the batteries breaks down uh as you uh, because they're they're a solid crystalline structures, they break down with uh, as you cycle up and down. Uh, one battery that gets over this is the um, is the, is the flow battery, which is actually just a well, it's a uh, a of a salt solution. In fact, I think it was developed or improved at the University of New South Wales, and the uh, King Island its wind generator uses one of these. The thing about a flow battery is you, it's just a matter of putting in a bigger tank. For the for the battery, as it were, um, so it's very easy to um, scale up.
0: So there is some some hope, some optimism that we can. Well, it's
1: a matter of cost as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. of course,
2: the more you produce them, the costs are going to come down. I mean, that's the obvious that happens. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: with the manufacturing cost, of course, the trouble is if you're using exotic materials, then that's mm. going
2: to push going the to cost stay, stay high anyway. Yeah. So you, yeah, or, yeah, or
1: push the cost. You- so there's always. Um, there's, there's always a, 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 a tension there between those two. So you I don't think,
0: think in the in the near future or the medium future, medium term future, we're going to be able to tick all of those boxes that you, you said earlier look, about the fact that as I,
1: I say, st- look, batteries exist. Yeah. Um, but there's got to be a reason why we're still using lead acid batteries, which yeah. are more than yeah. about 150. In fact. Um, well, for instance, hydrogen fuel cells are, are, are now 150 years old. Yes. Um, cellulosic ethanol is 100 or more years old. Um, yes. We can do it, but they're just very expensive and not, you know, not feasible. at seems at present. So yes. this is the trouble.
0: It yeah. is. Mm. It's, a, it's a huge issue. So,
2: is there a solution to this problem then of um, of intermittent renewables versus ongoing fossil use and therefore climate change? Products?
1: Yeah, uh, use less. One yes. of the things that's uh, found, in fact, the World Bank has just published a study uh, on the subsidies to um, to over fossil fuels. Remember, this is the World Bank. They found subsidies, admittedly, some of these are um, climate-related and uh, pollution-related, but they found subsidies of, six. I think it was five or six trillion U.S. dollars in 2015. Trillion, right?
0: That's an mm. incredible amount.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for instance, some of them, uh, Venezuela was selling... Petrol at, at 20 cents a gallon, right? And a number of oil-producing countries have very low uh, costs for for petrol and so on. Of course, mm. this is politically very popular, and um, you'll to get riots if you if you want to take it off. Mm. But this is what's happening is because of the one-off fossil fuel bonanza, we're using too much energy, yes. right? So, in other words, there's no point in in renewable energy trying to match that that amount of energy. We're just going to have to use less because mm. renewable energy is bloody difficult.
2: Yes. Mm. So it comes back to changing
0: lifestyle to a great yeah. degree. Yeah. And do, you, do you think yeah. that the, the rating, the, the five-star ratings of new builds in Victoria are um, are anywhere near good enough in terms of energy efficiency?
1: The other the, the buildings. Mm. Yeah, the trouble is with rating buildings. It's like rating a fridge. Um, sure, <laughs> you can rate a fridge, but if somebody opens the door and takes 10 minutes to decide what they want to take out, the ratings are useless, right? Yes. What they've found, I... I, I um, Saw a study in in the UK. There were, I think, um, fourteen in a row of fourteen terrace houses, identical terrace houses, yeah. and they had they were, um, you know, they had uh, they were built for energy efficiency with a, a solar heat trap and so on in, uh, you know, facing north and so on. One of the rooms, and I think they found a factor of seven in energy use in these houses, identical houses in the, in an identical climate. So, in other words, the ratings how people use it how people use their space. It's a matter of opening and shutting doors or opening and shutting windows or blinds and this sort of thing can make an enormous difference, right?
0: Mm, it can mm. make a huge difference. So there's, yeah. there's a real need for a, a, light, a cultural change as well. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. But presently, we're sort of working on the on the on the of pot match principle. Mm. You know, yeah. there's an infinite supply of everything. It's what TV teaches us, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Paddy, we've had a question from Vic from Merivaleong who asked regarding lithium batteries. If someone came into contact with lithium, how little would it take to be harmful?
1: Um, I'm not sure I can answer that. Uh, lithium. I, certainly not, it's not a heavy metal, um, not like, say, cadmium. You remember, the, the, you know, there are, there are cadmium batteries, which is a pretty toxic thing. I don't know if lithium is all that uh, toxic as far as mm. I
2: know. Okay, we'll pull it on. Just now, we've got a couple of minutes left only, but um, yeah, I know you've also been doing a fair bit of work on automatic cars and driverless cars and where all that's going. Just to very briefly, where's that at?
1: Where's that at? Um, well, as you know, there have been a couple of deaths in um, in Google Vehicles uh the the question you've got to ask is why are they doing it now Google say that the reason is to save lives that this will be safer um it's a a very interesting problem here and it's a it's a philosophical problem let's say that there's a runaway um train right and it's on a track and there's um there are five school children lovable school children on the on the on the track and it's going to kill them if it keeps on going right. But the controller, he, he, he notices that he can switch to another uh, track where only one uh, adult will be killed, right? It could even be an old age pensioner like, uh, like us, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. which one, what what does he do? do does he try to minimize uh, the loss of life? Remember, it was on this route, and he's consciously changed to another one. Now, with humans, I mean, we can't react. It takes, say, half a second to react to something, right? So nobody says, look, you should have done it better. But with a computer, it can react in microseconds right mm. in other words it's how it's programmed what they've found in america is when they've asked people is oh i think um uh self-driving cars should be should be programmed to minimize the loss of life in uh, uh, for society right going back to that problem i mentioned before run over the old age pensioner rather than the five school kids
2: mm. right? so we're gone patty we're out
1: yeah yeah but 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 here's the but here's the kicker so people think in general that other people should have cars that minimise damage to society as a whole, but they themselves want their car to minimise damage to them. Mm. <laughs> so in other words, mm. it's not gonna ha- I don't think it's going to happen, quite frankly. And I can't see that it's got any any benefits from a resource or, or a climate point of view. In fact, it could make things worse mm. because it means that the driver is freed to do other things, which means that one of the costs of vehicular travel, that is uh, travel time and money, Will be reduced, which will mean that there'll be an increase in travel.
2: Mm, interesting. Right. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's a bit like um, people with cats, but n- n- their cat never kills wild animals or kills <laughs> birds, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> never ever. <laughs> Paddy, look, we're going to have to wind up there. Um, but thanks for your time again, and look, we're probably the last time we'll talk to you this year. So thanks for your um, thanks for your help all year, and we'll get back to you next year yep, again. and Have a great
1: Christmas, and okay. I hope. Um, We see a Trump-free
0: presidency. Let's hope so. (laughs) eh? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But then,
2: that's right. But then we get the other one. What's it matter? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know. We're we're doomed either way. You know that, don't you?
0: (laughs) We're doomed. (laughs) We're doomed.
2: Dan, okay. Dan, we do. do. Okay, Okay, thanks, Paddy. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Okay, Paddy Moriarty, who's professor these days at uh, at Monash, and. um, we thank him for his work all year, and he'll get him back next year again. Uh, now we finished a couple of minutes early with Paddy because you you went to something you wanted to talk about.
0: Oh was. yes, so we we um, interviewed Glenn a couple of weeks ago from the uh, Save um, Save. Fitzroy North, Skyline, I think they're called, Action Group, yep. and they had um, a public meeting last Wednesday evening, and I went along to that, and there was, uh, Michael Buxton was there, um, he, he, he gave a talk, and, and he's uh, a well-known
2: planner, an academic, well-known a planner and the, academic, it's a well-known
0: planner and academic, yes, and, um, and Rod Quantock, the comedian, was emceeing, oh. uh, um, and they had a number of, of other Guests and that kind of thing And um, it was all Lots and lots of people turned out Steve Jolly, did he
2: speak at all? Uh,
0: Steve Jolly didn't speak, no Mm. No, unfortunately But I think there was a big Demand a lot of people wanted to speak but couldn't. Such such was the nature of the of the night. But um, basically, um, the, the 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 group um, have have put together a lot of um, letters to VCAT to uh, oppose um, the, the the plan. And the plan is to build sixteen story development. Just off Queen's Parade, um, but this feeds into a, a bigger issue that's growing in the suburbs of Melbourne. Um, certainly in North Fitzroy and Clifton Hill, as the developers come in, they're wanting to build increasingly higher, residential, over the top. Yeah, so yeah. so this is interesting. So it was good to go along to that. Um, they've they're, they're very strong. They're building up their strength and their support, and I think this this will spread um, as the, mm. the 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 pressure from developers. Um,
2: to, to, to build higher and higher density. There's often isn't? time. They both say 9.58. But they do. And they Andy's do. Giving us the he's giving us the two fingers salute. I think, he, right. means, I think he means there's two minutes to go. Two with minutes it. to go. Yeah, that's
0: right. Oh, that's I, all right. So what's the plan for next week? Do we have a plan, plan for next yeah, week? Yeah, <laughs> we
2: do. This is good. <laughs> we don't always. Sometimes <laughs> we just win it. It's housing anyway. week next week. Yeah. Um, and we've got someone from the Housing with Age Action Group. Presumably it'll be April Braggell. The second last shape of the year, probably. Um, and um, I know we did have something in the first half. Can you remember what it was? We no. There was another. <laughs> there was another housing issue we were going to talk we, about up front. But it'll come to us something, through the week. There will be something yes. good in the first half. Like, Absolute surprise yes. that our listeners can just sit back and wait for. Exactly. We yes. like to keep them in suspense. Oh, don't suspense. We. Yeah, yeah. The it. Okay. All well. right. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Andy. Andy. Thank Cheers. Andy. Thank yeah. you, very Kevin. Very
0: All
1: the pleasure. best. Thank you.